Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. It is a pleasure and an honor to be back together. I missed you guys for a couple of weeks, and it really is good to be back. The number to ask your question or your comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858, and we look forward to taking your questions or your comments. So I'd like to share with everyone, just before we start, Metzchen, we will take the callers. We've also gotten over here an interesting text question all the way from Eretz Yisrael. So we're going to address it. And, of course, as everyone knows, we take audios way ahead of, the, of text messaging. But this one we just want to send out. So, again, the number to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858. Now, just before we start with the program, I'd like to share that Merchashem this coming week, which means it's going to be Merchashem November 8th and November 9th, I'm going to be doing two separate workshops, which are going to be one for teachers. I've been asked so many times if I can put together a teacher's workshop. Teacher's workshop means you're going to be learning class structure, how to get kids to listen, to want to listen, going across all ages without consequences. It's used based on the theories that we used in the parenting workshop of behavioral but instead of being able to even limit it to six workshops, they're going to be seven for the teachers. That means there's going to be how to get the behavior there. There's going to be how to get the students motivated they should want to learn, understanding about raising the bar, understanding the different, in college what we learn about, the different stages that students go through, what are sometimes that is going through the things that can hold them back, how to work as a team, how to utilize the principal, how to utilize the parents working with the parents, how to, get, how to deal with bullying, also to understand and identify some of the main issues of diagnosis, which means anxiety, depression, OCD. You're not going to learn how to diagnose it, but you'll understand the differences between them. You'll know the warning signs that you're able to deal with things. We're also going to focus a little on the six main reasons that I find that when kids go off the derach, once you understand what are the causes behind it, you'll see how a Rebbe and a teacher have the power to almost turn each of them around when we invest and when we do that. There is so much more involved, how to build self-esteem. But again, I want to focus that the main concept is because we know teachers, we have a double role. As educators, we need to teach information. And how do you do it in a way that's not a battle? And at the same time, how do we have a way for it to happen that to get the emotional health as well? We need both. And the number to sign up for that is 201-691-7626, 201-691-7626, and that was one program. And then I'm starting the next day, which is ne- the Wednesday right after that, which is November 9. That's going to be the stress to inner peace. We've changed it from anxiety to, to, from anxiety to serenity to stress to inner peace because this is meant for everyone. If You've got stress, which I hope you're a human being, you've got some of that, and how to get to inner peace. This is if you've got anxiety or any family members have anxiety. If you're coming from a stressful environment, this is meant, and I'm actually insisting that every client in the center have to take this workshop. 
The reason is because it saves hours of information that we give. This is detailed. How does attachment therapy work? What are the 12 distortions that the Beck therapy, how the mind does, the all or nothing, the sublimation, it goes, there's, there's 12 of them. How do you challenge the thoughts? This is meant to help you. So it saves you hours of therapy work that you'll get to understand the basic needs of us humans on a psychological level, understanding how to give yourself the inner peace. Olive Bays for mental health. If anyone wants to know how to give your child health, how to give yourself health, how to recharge your batteries and to deal with all the concepts that we discussed, but in a program and a system, this is it. And uh, last time it was four workshops. I probably put another 40 hours in into getting it all the way up to two more workshops, up to six workshops, but it's restructuring everything and putting it in. So, again, the number to sign up for those workshops is also 201-691-7626, 201-691-7626. So this is just a little bit of information sharing with everyone that these are two programs I'm looking forward and exciting to be doing right now, we're going to start it. The number to call to ask your question is 718-683-5858. So what we're going to do is we're first going to start and taking this message that was sent all the way from Eretz Yisrael. And it goes as follows. I have a family member that goes to therapy for serious relationship problems. The problem is that I know for a fact that she's lying to the therapist. She repeats the stories in her distorted way. I know that because this is what she did when she told the story with other people. And it sounds as if she's not at fault. The fact is that she acted in a terrible, inappropriate way. Question number one is, how can therapy work, Bechlal, if you hear only one side of the story? The therapist is no way a Navi. Good question. And the second part is, can I call up the therapist behind her back and tell her the real version of the story, if it's for her benefit? Wow, Rav Nissen, what would you say to this question in general? I, I think that, the, first of all, the approach of, uh, you know, that the therapist is like a prophet or, I would say, a kind of judge. It's not a matter of judge. If you want to, if she's going, he or she going to to therapist, it's meaning that they need help. If they're lying to the if they're lying to the therapist, it's their problem because it's you know it you cannot get the help. And the That's question right. why they're going to the therapist if they go the, from the family or they don't or if then the, the denial. You know, this is something that you know it's going you can you can say I'm looking for Shimon, I'm looking for Shimon, but I don't know who is Shimon at all, you know. This is something Yeah, there's that, a great joke that is that someone was looking it was dark at night and they're under the light street light and they're looking and looking so someone asks him what are you looking for he says i'm looking for the quarter that i lost he says where did you lose it he said the other side of the street he says so why are you looking here he says because here there's light (laughs) you know you got to look where you dropped it but along those lines i still want to share like this concept also the other way what a therapist does people have this notion like in this question is going to this concept that let's say i would come to your business let's say you're my therapist i would say everyone is fighting with me now, if the therapist would believe that everyone is fighting with me, if you would believe that everyone's fighting with me, the first question you would ask is, what are you doing that everyone's fighting with you? So therapy in general, depending on the method, but most classical therapy modalities would be focusing on you. So if you're going to a therapist for four or five weeks, and you're still saying how crazy everyone is, the therapist is going to go, well, what choices do you have? Or let's focus on healthy relationships. Tell me four or five relationships that are healthy, that you're having a good connection. So therapy 
in its essence, in its form, there are ways that we can double-check and get concerned when things don't add up. So just as another example, if there's a person that makes up stories about others and has fights, I guarantee you within the first four weeks of therapy, they will be having a fight with a therapist. means they'll be blaming the therapist for starting a therapy late. They'll be blaming them for not being flexible to change therapy. They're going to be fighting about the price. There'll be several things, several, there will be several um, issues that will be coming up. We just got a message that someone was asking about the workshop. Thank you. Where it's going to be? Actually, I want to clarify, this is going to be over the phone. I found the phone so much easier that we can have people from all over just participating. So, again, those that were curious about the information about the phone, it's actually going to be evening time. It's going to be from 8.30 to 10.15 to about 10 o'clock will be information. It goes to about 10.15. Then there's a 15-minute break, and then we take questions and answers via text. So you can call up, sign up, and you can hear it all over. It's going to be a recording, and you can hear the recording for several months even after the workshop. So it's going to be live. The, the teachers is going to be every Monday, and the, the stress to inner peace is going to be every Wednesday. It's going to be over the phone. So to go back to that, to the question is, and to recognize that what people have, what's going on within themselves, they will bring it up in the therapy office and challenging the therapist. So those are one of the ways. Now let's go to the second question. Can you call up the therapist behind the person's back? What do you think, Rav Nissen? Just let's go to a general question. What do you think? It's really what's the relationship between this person and and the, the client, uh, because it's, if it's a parent or is a, is a husband or wife, I think that it's possible to... I don't know if to call behind the, to discuss with the therapist what is the the way or to ask, uh, but if it's a friend, definitely not. But if it's somebody that has uh, some kind of, uh, uh, I would say, interest to see what the progress or stuff like or stuff like this, just give the make the, the picture brighter to the therapist and helping the therapist, it could be helping. Excellent. So now let's go ahead and share the difficulty and the trapness that we have as a therapist. Let's understand this. If, let's say, a family member calls us up behind the client's back and says, I just want you to listen. Let me tell you from experience what has happened. What happens is maybe that family member won't tell. So let's say my client is A, and now family member B calls me up. Let's say they don't tell A that they that they spoke to me. But six weeks later, they go, oh, yeah, I know you're going to Mordechai Weimgar, and I even called him up, and he agreed with me. Now, if I just remained quiet, this has happened countless times that the family members have done that. Wow, this is then, really stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, thank really, you. This is but this really is now dangerous. I'm telling you a reality. Yeah. Reality is that when they get into a fight, they'll tell you, well, I spoke to Mordechai Weimgar. This is classic what they do. And then the client tells me, I can't trust you, and this happens. Now let's take a step even further. Let's assume that, I, that they call me up behind the back, which happens many times, that people want to speak to me. Do you know what my response is? Or they're worried, the legal government is worried, that then people will not trust therapists. 
So the law is that we may not speak to anyone, not even to say hello to the phone about the person, because we're worried what happens if B, the one that's calling me up, is really the problem. And they tell me, the whole family is against A. I've never met B. We don't know if it's true. I haven't done an evaluation. Now, maybe B is crazy, and there's no way for me to find out, because the only way I can ask A is if their cousin B or their sister B called me up, are they normal, or uh, is there something going on? It's only if I tell them. Now, B would tell me, oh, but you're not allowed to tell A, your client that I ever called. So they try to trap you. That What happens is now the therapist is a trap. The therapist does not know, is B right? Is A right? Now, B is saying, you can't tell A that I called you up. A is telling you, I don't want you to speak to anyone. So therefore, since therapy is not something that just was happened today, it's out there for a good 60, 70, 80 years, and the confidentiality rules are that tight, they've made up the law that if B wants to tell the therapist anything, we must get A's permission to speak this way, if they make a mistake, it's not true. I've got many times clients tell me, oh, a cousin of mine told me that they spoke to you. I said, it is a lie. I will not speak to anyone unless I get your permission. A straight-out lie. And if they speak to me or somehow they get through to me, because one time I've had more than once where a client makes an evaluation session by me, and they tell me, oh, I'm really not here for an evaluation. I'm really here to talk about my cousin. So I said, well, let's be clear. Since you're not my client, I need to tell your cousin or your sibling that you're here, and you're going to have to pay for the session anyhow. <laughs> or I usually tell them, just leave. But this has happened all the time. Now, what I do tell this family member, if somehow they're driving the, the, the secretary, they really want to get through, I tell them, how about you own up the strength or you tell your child, which is, let's say it's an adult kid, or you tell your brother and your sister, I know you're going to the therapist. You told me you're going. We really need to work things out. Can you please give me permission? I let you know what we're saying, but please let's work it out. Families that are healthy are strong enough to tell their siblings, saying, we need help. Can I please speak to your therapist? Most of the time you're going to get yes, and you're going to get a healthiness. We have had times where people did very, family members did very unhealthy points, but we still told the family. We told the client because that's our responsibility. So due to the complications of what happens, what ha what, there are very strict rules that we can lose our license if we break confidentiality. Great. All uh, right. I learn, I learn a new stuff. Uh, well, let me share it to you in your business service. And how many times does someone come to you and tell you, you know something I want to do, maybe can you build my building, but don't tell anyone that I'm donating the money or I'm covering it. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And what happens if you're going to tell just one person, you know, who's really paying for it? This and this guy is paying for it. What would happen? Yeah, it's uh, you know, you know, you know. Yes, I think that uh, one of the alachot of uh, I know that I learned from a rabbi that you cannot allowed you're not allowed to say to a, a wife of someone that your husband donated to this, uh, you know, this purpose or this uh, organization. Right. Because it can be created a lot of problems. That's right. You're worried. Maybe he yeah. didn't tell the wife. Or yeah. Shalom Bayez here. Yeah. He's not Shalom giving Bayez. me money. Makes, I don't know the halacha, but exactly. So in, in therapy, there's still such a stigma where people are afraid to open up to the therapist because the therapist will tell others that we're really afraid 
of telling of, of dealing with others and and like dealing with any other family members. So even for example, even in our center, if we've got two siblings coming, we're going to have them write a paper or relatives saying there is a family member in the center. We're not telling you who or what. And you're allowing them to come. The first one never has to write that, but the second one, the third one has to come. We won't tell them who, but we're worried. Let's say these two get together and they go, oh, I'm going to Mordechai Warm. Oh, you're going to Mordechai Warm. <gasps> Maybe he's telling you the other secrets. These are laws that are out there. So I know parents can get very frustrated, but there are rules where, where parents can have the meeting together with the children if they want, if they're underage, definitely. If they're over the age of 18, we're parents. We encourage the parents, speak to your client, speak to your child, which is our client, because we're a big believer in having family members work it out. But the dangers of saying the therapist said this and the therapist said that, that happens all the time. And that takes away the trust and the care. I could share with you, I had a horror story where a client came to me, Pretty recent, like maybe a month before Yantiv, where uh, 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 let's call it an aunt or an uncle was paying for the therapy, and the client who did not want to open up said for three sessions, I don't trust you, you're going to tell this family member, you're going to tell the family member, sure, remember, sure enough, three weeks later, the family member says, if you don't tell us what's going on behind the client's back, we're not going to continue paying. I called up the client. I said, listen here, we're having difficulties with getting payments because they want us to share information. Do you want us to bring them in so we can share something, or do you want to stop therapy? They said, I don't trust them. You see, I don't trust you because you will speak to them, and therefore I'm stopping therapy. So going behind your family member's back is going to hurt you in the long run. Learn to get strong enough to work it out. But this is one of the difficulties that we are suffering with as therapist the balance of what yes to say or how to be confidentially and how to have a normal relationship that's what we'd like we're getting lots of messages in here and i would like to get some calls the number is 718-683-5858 718-683-5858 and let's be brave let's get a couple of callers we really want to get that Again, the number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We got a message earlier on about the workshop. If their parents have severe anxiety and they're not really aware they're in denial, will the workshop help? And here is where I'd like to clarify and explain a lot. When someone's in denial, that means they're subconscious, and we actually will be discussing that in the workshop. It means we don't see that. So classical example of this, and I know it happens to me sometimes where I can ask my wife, where are my keys? And she goes, what do you mean? It's right in front of you. So we have a filter that we're focusing on things and we filter other things out. Clinical denial, if someone's in denial and not seeing that they're anxious, even if it's in their face and you tell them you have anxiety, they'll go, no, I wouldn't. No, I don't. You don't understand what real anxiety is. I had a cousin that had anxiety, not me. But with the point of Getting workshops, hearing workshops, hearing the information is that it starts planting a seed. Oh, you mean it could be calmer? Wow, I can try this. It might work now. It might not work for six months. It might work that so would hear the information, then you hear a shear from a rav, and just then you go, you know, oh, wow, I think I could change. I should change. Let me speak to the rav. And then the person will say it was all that shear. It could be. It could also be the planting the seeds of other people helping out that now the siyata deshmaya that it worked. 
So if there is anxiety, if there is stress, that's why I use the word stress, because sometimes people have anxiety, and people are telling me when I did it last year, I didn't realize you're giving the olive base to psychological first aid, the different methods of therapy, and it's actually a worksheet after each workshop. So workshop one gets its worksheet. Workshop two will now have more information, and we build that information into worksheet one. So now the worksheet will have information of one and two about control, about beliefs, how about changing different options when people are stuck? I only have two options. No, how to stop thinking that there are more options out there. Some of the CBT tools, there's a lot of the olive base understanding what's going on. So this is if anyone's got an emotional disorder in the family, it will just give some of the olive base first aid bits of information. Again, one more time, the number to call up, 718-683-5858, 5, 8, and we are going to Mrs. K. You're on with Mordechai Nervinissen. And number to call up for those workshops is, again, 201-691-7626, 201-691-7626. And that is for signing up for the either the teacher's workshop, which will be seven weeks, or the Fine Tuesday, or the Stress to Inner Peace workshop, which will be for six weeks. Mrs. K, you're on with Mordechai and Herav Nissen. Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Agitin Chaydesh. You're welcome. Agitin Chaydesh. I have a very, very sensitive question to ask. I have a family member. Is it sensitive member. as in family appropriate? Yes. Good. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Sure. I know it's a family, it's a family audience, so I sure. Thank know that. you. So my question is, suppose you have a family member that desperately needs to go to therapy and they're not willing. How do you get them to do that? Oh, we have this question all the time. Sure. And you know what the answer is? The healthy family member goes to therapy for about six months to a year, once a week. And then the one that's got the issues will, will usually end up going. Okay, so now I want to shift it back to you. Why? Why do you think that works? Why do I think what? Why do you think it would work if we send a healthy family member to therapy? But this person is not healthy. That's why I I'm said the healthy family member. Let's say there's a husband and a wife, and let's say the wife is a wonderful person, the husband's got issues. Correct. Why is it that if the wife will go for therapy for six months to a year, then the husband will be forced to change? Why? Because the way she's behaving will have an impact on the other priority. That's right. And that's a reality. That's why I'm not saying take three or four sessions. It takes about a year. It really takes that long of therapy. So, but my question is, how do we get uh-huh. the party that's not macabre? and I have a problem, and I need to speak to somebody. So let's answer your question. So what do you think will change when the healthy family goes for therapy? When the healthy so, family members... So what happens the if the other person the does go for therapy, and the other person says, I don't need therapy because... How long? Again, we're missing the vote. We're missing it. You're not getting it. Let me share with you an example. Let's assume the husband is the one that's not well, Okay. And the husband needs everything perfect. Let's assume he's got OCD where the wife must set everything up, needs to clean the spoon 35 times. And if he Mm -hmm. doesn't watch her clean it 35 times, he will not eat from that spoon. And he'll get upset. How dare she put a spoon that wasn't cleared? She might want to poison him. He's got an OCD for germs. These things happen. Now, 
the wife has been doing it for years, and she's overwhelmed, and always complains, and the house is never clean, clean enough. What happens if after 15 years of marriage, this going on, the wife goes for therapy to a year? What do you think will change by the wife? I have no idea. I'm not an aviator. Take a guess. Come on. This is a common sense. Uh, listen, I have no time for games. I, I'm okay, in a long... Then. All right, I thank you for the long yantis and yeah. yet. Okay, Rav Nissen, what would you say? Could you answer this question then? And it's not... It's, it's, it's you know, it, it, it has a little bit to do with when, when people reach the age of adulthood and they're not really adults. This is where the problem lies, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a spouse um, that needs to go for therapy. Okay, doesn't matter. It's the same, the same concept. Same concept. I want to thank you for calling up. Yeah, it's... Yeah, so your how do we get this person to go for therapy? Right, right. Um, this I is the by story you saying itself. It's not the I mean, everybody no... around them... Oh, no, if you I, tell I'll the person direct. the sky is blue, I, yeah. the sky isn't blue. You're looking at it and you're thinking it's blue. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, we are going to a 14-year-old. Can we... Uh, oops, I'm sorry, said the age. Let's go ahead. Um, Let's, um, somebody just want to say something okay, about this issue, if, if you don't mind. Yes, go Hello. Hello? Yes, Shalom Aleichem. This is Avram Davis. Um, hello? Yes, Shalom Aleichem. Yeah, um, concerning this uh, question that the woman just asked you, how to get uh, on um, someone who's in denial and not well to a therapist, I always yeah. thought that the way to do that would be to... Um, to go once or twice or whatever, or I thought particularly once to the therapist, and then come back and say, well, we spoke about very important things, and we like uh, your input, um, you know, uh, so... I'll tell you what, let's you play the role. Let's, since I go through this experience, it will be, it's such a nachos for me to change the roles. Can you be the therapist, and I'm going to come in, and let's assume my wife says... I've got OCD that I, I, I drive her nuts that she's got to clean the spoon 50 times. Okay, so let's pretend my wife just said that. You're the therapist. What will you tell me? You're the therapist. What would you tell Oh, you mean once you count, come, what would I tell you? Yeah, let's assume I'm coming. I want to show you what happens to someone that goes for therapy when they're in denial. I'm going to play it because I get this at least three times. Uh. I always have a family member always trying to schlep the other person. I go, I don't get this. You hear the radio. You know what I'm going to say. You know it's not going to work. And I still go through this pain at least three times a week. I should say twice a week minimum. <laughs> go ahead. So I'm going to be, you're going to be the therapist. My wife's going to schlep me into the therapy room. Go ahead. I'm in the therapy room, and I'll go uh, ahead. Here, I can not. let it out. Watch me ask this client. Go ahead. You're the only thing I would be tired. able to say would, um, well, how would you feel if, if um, she would drive you crazy the way you do X, Y, Z? I don't drive her nuts. I'm the best husband out there. I have no <laughs> idea what my wife's talking about. 
Okay. Yeah, I guess you win. No, I'm, I'm telling you, this is classic. This happens twice a week. Watch, and they go, what do you mean? Push us further. Come on, push me. Say, I heard you wash the spoon 35 times. Shoot that. Watch. I'll show you how they all respond. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Do it. Tell me that. I'll show you. This is... This is what I go through. I got to remain calm and patient in my seat. Okay, so I, I heard you do, do thirty-five so times. Yeah. Now what? Now let's try the other way. Now let's go to that lady's question. Now let's try this way. Let's assume you're the wife and you're telling me, "How do I get my husband? He forces me to do to wash the to wash the spoon thirty-five times. He could get angry if it's not done. He won't come into kitchens because sometimes the kitchens could be too germy." Or we have a kid that if a kid is dirty, then it smells up the whole room. This, it can be a lot of that stuff. So go ahead. And, you know, you, you try to be that wife, and I'll show you how we do with it as a therapist. I need a little bit. There's a role play. I need, we, need, we need a back and forth. Uh, that I don't know. Okay. So, can, so in general what happens is we first work with Das Tyra. We need a rub involved because the marriage can and will get rocky when she's mm-hmm. going to not play the game. So what would happen if after having the dust tire and working on her fears of why she's doing that and say, look, my husband, I respect you tremendous, but I wash the spoons like everyone else. Yours, it's clean. The dishwasher does it. Or I did it, it's clean, and I only wash it once. And I understand that you need it washed more, but if you need it more, you can do it. And with the greatest of pleasures, but I can only wash it once. So go, mechutzev. And Ezi Ishik Sheiroiser at Saimbal and starts mentioning all the Mamari Chazal. And because the Rav has worked with the, because the wife has worked with the Rav, but I respect you and I washed it. Anything more than that, you'll need to figure out how to handle it. And the more things the wife, or the more items that the wife stops enabling and giving in to whatever disorder it should be, it could be that her husband suffers from depression and doesn't get out of bed before 11, 12 o'clock, and she's got to beg him and push him, and then it's her fault for not pushing more or not suggesting more or not trying to give him incentives or not trying to do all the other stuff that they request and trying to go, no, my job is as a wife to be able to do these are my roles, and you getting up or you missing work, and again, this has to be done with Das Tyra, with the therapist to get her strong enough, and with Das Tyra as well. And the wife also has to know ahead of time. So now we have a disclaimer that if wives or husbands come in when the wives have some emotional disorders, that they need to know the marriage will get rocky. It's not a question of if, it's, it will. But the goal is that it should get healthy. Now, once the husband finds that his wife is not cleaning the kitchen floor and everything 35 times and not washing his spoons, yes, he'll probably do it the first three or four times, but then his life's going to get so difficult because he can't function on all his OCD stuff without a wife that's enabling it. And that's when things start changing. Rav Nissen, what do you say to all this? All right. The number, by the way, to call is 718-683. Stay on. Yeah, 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. So, again, the goal is for the healthy spouse to go for therapy, for the healthy spouse to go to a therapist with experience, and for the healthy spouse to know that, in my belief, a therapist must work with Das Tyro because these things get bumpy, these things the husbands or the wives sometimes will use Tyra as a reason why you need to follow their ways, and we need Das Tyra to tell us, is this healthy, is this Das Tyra to listen, or is it now Das Tyra to actually say no, the person has to get better and has to, and has to grow.
So this is a main focus that we want to recognize. The number is 718-683-5858, And as we had this person share, from me as a therapist point, I'm in that other side of the chair where people can ask and people can be telling me, like, yeah, work on this person, but when a person has a problem and they don't want to acknowledge it, they will actually say, I don't have a problem. Don't you wash the spoon 35 times? Eh, it's once a month, once a year, and the wife might be complaining it's six times a day. Um, good. So, again, the number is 718-683-5858, We're going to take over here another text question just till that is. Um, you want yeah. to take me, uh, the Miss S? Miss S, yes. Let's go Hello. to S. Hello? Uh, Yes, hello. Okay, so my question is regarding what this lady asked. It's similar. So um, I have this friend. She's my very best friend, and she has a big problem. She has some sort of mental illness, and I'm not making it up because my mother told it to me, and she told me that she, I know because, like, she acts weird sometimes. She lies a lot. She was in the hospital for a very long time. There was no reason. There was no physical reason she was in the hospital. She was just there. She's she's mentally unhealthy. I love her very much, but she's just not healthy. She's okay. in denial. She that 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 you know that she has a problem. I've been going to therapy. She's been going to therapy. Um, I don't really see a change, but she um. When she was younger, her mother was abusive, and she still thinks, well, her mother's not so abusive Let anymore. Let me ask you, well, I, I, I appreciate the history, and, and I don't want you to feel hostile. I'm cutting you off. Mm -hmm. I just want to stay focused. Let's first hear the question, and then you'll give me the history. So what's the question? So we so hear that this friend of yours has got issues. What? Yeah, so we hear that this friend of yours has issues. She's in the, okay. yeah, so she's... So what's your um, question? Let's hear the question, and then we'll get the rest. I don't know what to do right now, because... I'm, I, well, my therapist said that there's a difference between caring and caretaking, and she said that I'm caretaking, and it's not good, and it's ruining me. That is a great term. I like that. What, first, can you explain to us what's the difference between caring and caretaking? Well, when you care about a person is that you love them and you want the best for them. When you caretake a person... Wait, wait, you hold put, on. Wait, let's take that. And what happens if you can't help them when you're caring for someone... So you just let somebody else help to help them. That's right. And do you think about it? And does it take over your mind? Um, well, it shouldn't. Not too much. A That's little bit, right. but not too much. That's right. And then you have other friends, and then you build, you focus on other areas in your life. That's right. So that's when someone cares. And you can say to Hillam, you can daven for them. You can really care, but it doesn't take over your life. Good. Now, okay, great. And what does caretaking mean? is when you want the best for them, but then you want to do it for them and you want to help them. And so she said that by me taking care of her, she's not taking care of herself. That's right. And, that's right. Um, so what happens is that's what we call a little, what we discuss a lot of you on this program of codependence, where we care for the person that much that now what we're doing is we try to live their life for them. We try to help them. We try to clarify things to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, one of the ways you can tell if someone is like codependent too much in it or they're caring is if they can do other things in their life and think about other stuff. 
So when someone cares so much, and by the way, I want you to know, this is the first class from the first three assoitis they teach us in therapy when we go to social work school. Because whoever wants to become a social worker or a therapist is someone that has a git neshama, has a git heart, has a good heart, and cares about another yid. So which means I want to help. Now what happens if sometimes you can help them by letting go? Or sometimes you can help them by saying, I'm really not the best therapist. There's someone that has more experience. Or sometimes you have to do behavioral therapy, which you need to be more assertive on them. If you're into help people by caretaking, unfortunately, the first couple of weeks or months, the person's going to love it because they're going to feel you're taking care of them. But then they're not going to grow. They're going to be calling you 24-7. They're going to be on top of you. And all these difficulties are going to be happening. And in the long run, you're actually hurting them and damaging them. I know. I know that. Now, Great. So now what's your question? Let's go back to a question. So what is your question? So I want to know how not to have that because I want her to get better. She's, first of all, in denial that she has a problem. She's in, Good. She's well, in therapy. Let's try but... something else. Uh, let's, let's try something very simple. Then I want to hear what Avnissen has to say. The simple step is start focusing on other friends. Start making other friends. Because if you have one friend... And you think about it the whole time you're there. But if you start making four other friends, you're going to start being busy with other friends. You're going to start having a life in other areas, and that's the easiest way. So there's the surmera, how to either stop thinking about the other person, or the asetai, start focusing on what you want. So it's hard because it's been going on for a few years. and Good. Let's go back to you. How many friends do you have? No. Notice I want to focus on you, not on the past. You're focusing on how hard is cause of the relationship. And I'm focusing (laughs) on tell me about three new friends that you could be making over the next three weeks. Let's try one new friend or two new friends. I have girls that can become friends, but... No, close friends. Close, close friends. Close. I had a very close friend last year. Good. Um, but she's not in my school anymore. Okay. I had another good, very, good. very Who close else? Friend. Let's focus on the future. Who else can you get? Let's focus on now. Who else can you get? There's other kids in my class. Do you think that you I'm... could be close friends or maybe someone from your block? Maybe. I don't know. I can Sasha, try. You see, when you stop thinking about the future where you want to go to, it's easier to stop thinking about this friend that's got issues. So we need to focus on where you want to go to. Where do you want to go to? You want to have friends? You want to do well in school? Start setting a goal. Okay. What do you notice? Um, what do you mean? When you start thinking about the future, about making friends, about doing better in school, or whatever it should be, how much do you think now about your friend? So I will think less, but then in the back of my mind, she's still going to be there. I know that. That's right. So that is the goal. So the goal is to help you focus more, in my opinion, where to go to. Mm-hmm. Arav Nissa, what do you say to this question? I would say try to, to uh, focus on and on the and the kind of Rome or some somebody that you really uh, want to be like you know look look in something that uh, a, a figure that you really want to be like you know not not to look on the past and or to look on the the bad stuff as Ramadan has said Sumira just look and and make yourself a figure a teacher 
a parent, a, uh, you know, somebody that you want to be like them. You know, I just, this is my target in my life right now. And go ahead, because we know that when you look back, it's what Torah said, you know, when Eshet Lot, Eshet Lot look back, she become a stone and a salty. Basically, when we're all always looking for the back, we become bitter and we cannot move forward. So look just forward and look what, try to find, try to find a, a, a girlfriend or friend that around you that uh, you can just, you know, look up and, you know, be positive. And I would say that add yourself a lot of music and good neshama and it will give you a good, a good, uh, you know, give a smile, give yourself a good smile every day. Thank you. Yeah, so exactly what Mrs. said. To realize that the fact that you care about your friend means you have a good neshama. That's powerful. We just want to make sure that it's balanced. As he's saying, like, look at the future. Look at where you want to go to. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for calling up and being so right. brave. Have a good yeah. night. Thank you so much for it. I really appreciate it. My whole family really appreciates it. Ah, that so is nice. That work. is nice. You see, I, you. I hear the smile already, you know, Baruch Hashem, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's very important yeah. to smile, very important. Thank you. Thank you for picking up on that. And again, I want to tell you, and again, just say it again, you're entering adulthood, you're meeting friends, you're having friends. There are going to be people that are sometimes will pull you down. We even have that in therapy sometimes with, with certain clients that we need to be able to say we're not the right person. There is someone that is better for you, and they might take it personally, they might be upset, and it does hurt a little, and we apologize, but then we focus on we want to help more people. Our goal is to help, so let's focus on what we can do. And there comes a time where sometimes we look back a little and we have some regret. There, That's important. Regret and doubts are healthy human aspects, but we don't want to live there. We don't want to focus on it. We want to focus on moving. Okay. Thank you, and thank you for being thank able to so share much. with have all of us this wonderful, beautiful lesson. Great. Okay. And now we are going to a caller of Nissan from a far away place, huh? Hello. Hello. Mrs. G. Hello. Mrs. G? Yes, hello. Yes, Hi. thank you. You're on with Mrs. Um, uh, yes, hello. Um, I want to talk to you about the question before this one. Um, like, just from personal experience, I've got nothing to add to what you said to her. Everything. Word for word, 100%. Um, even if a spouse is a very good person and they have loads of potential to become such a good spouse, they will not be able to go for help just because you ask them to and because you beg them to and because you convince them to and bribe them to and push them to. It just doesn't work. All, all by, in my experience, all that happens was that I was made to feel like I had a problem. And only, only like you say, only when I went for my help and for a long time till I became enough confident and knew how not to be codependent, how not to enable him, that's, that's what only started to open a door to maybe be able to help. Thank you. So can you answer this question? Because Rav Nissen sent me a text. Now listen to this message from someone. Let's assume it's a wife saying it about the husband. It couldn't be the other way around. I went to therapy for a year because I was the one with the problem. He ch- so this is, let's say, the wife going for therapy. Supposedly she's the one that had the problem, or really it's the husband. And he says he changed a bit 
not much, and I'm tired of working so hard. What would you tell this woman? Um, I'm not getting exactly. She changed a bit. I'm assuming she, that, she, yeah, that she is saying over here that she went to therapy because, like, officially she's right. going with a problem. That's why she's going. But after a year of therapy, he only changed a bit. What would you tell her? Um, I, I would say that after a year, especially that I'm sure there are underlying issues, and then he, he might just have been at the point where he's open to hearing about improving himself. Because it takes a long time to build up someone so that they're able to admit, yes, I've got a problem. Sometimes it can break them if, if they're not prepared for it beforehand, then it can take a long time. That's right. Let's, and that, that is a gentle way. Nissa, what would you say? Because this woman is saying, agreeing to everything that we discussed over and over and over, and we've got people's messages that even though the spouse had the issue, but if they change their patterns, then things change. Rav Nissen, what would you say is the response to this lady that sent this, assuming it's a lady, that sent this uh, message? Could be, could She's a year be, in could, therapy, and her husband still didn't change much. It could be a husband and the opposite, you know. That's right. That's, yeah. uh, but it, we get that a lot, unfortunately. In my yeah. office, we've got a lot of men where the wives have got emotional disorders, and the wives are refusing to. They go, well, I am cooking, or well, I'm baking, or well, I'm able to work, so I'm healthy. Right. No, there's right. So, what would you say to someone yeah. like that, Rav Nissen? So I, I, she's I, in therapy, and it's still not getting better. I, I would say that uh, again. Uh, it's always it's always easy to break, and you know we know construction is just to demolish is very uh, very easy. Yeah. But to build yeah. is take time. And I I had a very beautiful um, beautiful thought from a, actually from a therapist when I went to like um. Uh, overnight place where we were given chizok. So she she said that I think it was um no, I don't remember which other said um someone asked him, What are you here for on um, for seventy years of life at least that people have? What is the Jewish view of what 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 is our aim? And he said, I'm building a bridge. Oh yeah, building a bridge. Yeah, I'm building a bridge between my heart and my mind. And ah. And that's exactly what he's been for 70 years. So at least that what we're, it could take 70 years for Tadek to take what he knows logically and carry it out in practice to do what's right. Then uh, I think we should uh, give it more than a year, at least three. And right. then there's a whole life ahead of us. I think people don't, don't. And that was also my issue that I didn't look at the, like the right perspective of I've got so many years ahead of me. So what? What's one year? What's two years? What's that's right. 80 pounds? That's right, and that's exactly the answer that I would have told, let's say, is this wife or this, or this husband that is saying that it's a year and it's so hard. The answer is, well, then get stronger. Because if you're getting safe and strong, the secret is the easier you are with setting a boundary, being able to calmly say, this is your issue and I'm not enabling you, I'm not continuing your illness, they are forced to change. Yeah, it's very hard. That's right. Yeah. Especially it's very if you're hard raised to do that it. way. So we're, we're and not you've saying done it's that easy, for years. Right. You feel horrible. You feel broken. You're worried about the children. It's going to be harder for the children. Yeah. There are so many issues there. And you're so and confused because maybe I've got the problem years. and maybe I'm in denial and it makes you feel like you're not normal and you have to keep so strong with yourself and That's right. friends or, or family because you can end up breaking from such a thing. So I can understand the lady. 
that it's too hard. That's right. Oh, it's never that's too what hard. I like to verify. I'd like to verify that, yes, going for a year or validate is a better word, that, yes, it is so hard because you're in doubt. I know someone that has, right. for whatever reason, they separated for about three or four months, and then they started to get back together. So the, the therapist and the dying suggested they, like, sort of do now the Litzfisher-style dating of spend three hours together, go out for dinner. He goes, the way his wife was so rude to the waiter, he says, like, I forgot what it's like when someone's rude all the time and someone's demanding and controlling all the time. So, like, it's three months of calm. Right. And as you said, wow. sometimes when they're very not well, you think you're the problem. They're saying you're so sensitive. Mm -hmm. They're saying, why can't you clean the spoon 35 times? Can't you do a yeah. husband a Bad favor? Bad middos, exactly, yes. and you're the one ruining the family. Very so I've got three, four mishigasin. What's the big deal? But it's not three, four mishigasin. When it's a mental disorder, it will affect many different areas, and you you yes. forget and, how much you're What about your family more. and your mother and your parents and all? That's yeah. right. That's right. And here, yes. your family doesn't exist, and here you have to change everything. You hit it on the nail. Exactly. Right. So I Thank appreciate you, you validating. This message about the person, the healthy person goes for therapy, it makes a big difference. And when I say go for a year and this person's saying they're going a year and it's not helping, then certain situations that are more severe, depending on the diagnosis or the level of intensity of the diagnosis, they might need longer. But at least we're getting to Do you think she might need there. to change therapist? That everything yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm asking a practical know. question now. It's not... That's right. That could be a practical question also. When this person saying, I'm going for a year, I was wondering, are you going weekly sessions for a year, or do you go like once every three months when it gets bad and you go for four sessions or five sessions mm -hmm. and then you stop? There's a lot to this. I wasn't. I just wanted to hear your opinion of someone that you're, you know, sounds like you went through it and you've got this, you've, you've overcome right. that and you've learned that. I wanted to hear yeah. your experience and your thoughts. I want to say it's a beautiful, um, uh, the bridge is gorgeous. I tell you, I learn a lot. And I would say that, uh, for, especially for couples, I would recommend, I highly recommend it, the two books for the woman. It's called Wisdom, uh, uh, A Woman Wisdom and Galash Gan Ashalom for Men. It's amazing yeah. and it gives you a nice, nice uh, I would, a perspective also from the Emuna of side. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, for Rabbi Arushan, it's beautiful. Thank yeah. you for mentioning that. Definitely. He's telling the husbands, look at yours. He yes. tells the husbands, don't look at what I tell the wives. Tell the wives, don't look at what I tell the husbands. And tells each of them to focus and recognize the strengths within ourselves, within our spouse, appreciate. There's so much there, gratitude, so much to appreciate. I heard a great story. Yeah. Listen, you would love this. Um, actually, someone said it in the name of Rabbi Milo Biederman. So it's a great story that in B'nai Barak, everyone was waiting there, Matzah Shabbos, to take the bus going back to Yerushalayim, and the bus is a half hour late, an hour late. And you know what's going on, Matzah Shabbos, everyone there with big families and babies and crying. And sure enough, a bus comes, pulls up, an Eged bus that's going to take them to Yerushalayim, but he has a different number. Like going to Yerushalayim from there is like number 400 or 401, whichever the number is. And he has like a different number, 318. He's going to wherever. He's going to Chadera. And everyone's telling the bus driver, please stop, please take us to your shrine. He goes, no, I have to do my number. I've got to go all the way up to Chadera. I can't change it. They're going to give me a hard time. And everyone's begging, there's no bus, please, please, please. He says, you know what? He calls a dispatcher. The dispatcher says, yep, you could do it. Everyone goes up and gives him brachas and telling him how nice you are and you're a tzaddik. 
and they're going up to Yerushalayim, and just before getting to Yerushalayim, one of the Bacharim asked him and tell him, tell me, how is it you're able to convince them to change your route? Now you're in Yerushalayim, you're going to have to get all the way to Chadera, it's the other side. He stops laughing, he says, let me tell you the truth. He says, Eget said they realized that their bus wasn't there, and the bus broke down, they asked, who wants to go take the run? And everyone, no one wants to take it. He said, imagine you're the bus going to your Shalayim. You're an hour late with babies crying. It's hard. Everyone's hungry on Thursday. They're going to be yelling at you. I said, I'll do it. What I did is I changed the numbers. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going there. <laughs> and now everyone is benching me. How nice yeah. it is. Oh, How great beautiful. I am. See, <laughs> so wow. everything's about perception and expectations. If you perceive that yeah. this person doesn't have to take you, he's a tzaddik. But if you perceive that he's at Eged Buzz going from B'nai Bark to Yerushalayim, and he came an hour late, boy, are we going to yell at him. <laughs> Beautiful. So it, it, it takes an Israeli, it takes a Yiddish cup to come up with something <laughs> like that. I thought it was brilliant. But the lesson for us is expectation. That's the muscle that he was, the, he, the nimshal that he wanted us to take from there, is that let's not think it's coming to us. Let's not expect it to happen in six months or a year. Let's recognize that we're here to grow. And if it takes us a while, and if this isn't the sign Hashem is giving us, this is it. So I want yeah, to thank that, you Yeah, it's that. very important to separate the Nastayim from... It's that that's where it becomes very complicated. What, which part is my Nastayim? What am I not allowed to accept because it's not healthy for me or my children? So sometimes the Nastayim is to be kind of mean and assertive, even if it's against my nature, so it's tricky. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes, yes, and that is the trickiness. I, I just got two messages from my personal messages where people send the messages going, you know, here, I'll just read one of them regarding the question you discussed. I went for therapy for a year, really got stronger. When I told my spouse, it's your issue, he just throws it back to me. So where am I getting to? And the answer is you're getting stronger. You're learning how to get stronger to start saying it's not my issue. But then you, the next step is for you to realize how you're enabling it. It's practically impossible yeah. for a spouse to remain in the issue if you aren't somehow yeah. helping it. It's just a reality. And as you get stronger, you get safer to be able to say, I respect you, but in this issue, I cannot do it. And just continue the right. process. So if you're getting stronger, don't say yeah. because you didn't finish the whole job. Imagine you're in the middle of baking. You've ground the wheat, you've put the water in, you've put everything in. Now all you have to do is put it in the oven and just wait the hour. But you're not going to put in the cake because I got all the mm. ingredients. What's one last little thing for it to bake? Well, the baking, putting it into the fire is the final ingredient that's needed. It's just as important as any of the other steps, if not more important, because you need the finishing touches. So allow yourself. Right, and that's when you're turning on the heat. So that's, that's right. That's a good line. Like I didn't even think about yeah. that. Really tough. Yeah. 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 But you're right. As long as it's fast, higher than you're not. You're not getting burnt. That's right. You okay. need a therapist. Yeah. You also need the rav in the fall. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're for very welcome. And thank you for staying up so late. This is very late your time. Yep. Right. Good night. Good yes. night. Really good night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good night. Thank you. Alter. You're welcome. Okay. Sure. We'll go to Miss S. She's waiting patiently from the beginning. Sure. Let's go to Miss S. Hello? Yes, hello. Um, I was trying to come up with a question for a rather long time, and it didn't work. 
So I just want to tell you thank you for your wonderful program. We really gain a lot of awareness, and we look forward to it every week. Thank you. That is so appreciative. Thank you. Isn't that special to well, someone to pull up and just say thank you? Really, it's, it's, uh, first of all, I apologize, but uh, the, the phone uh, was uh, busy. So. Yes, well, yes, yes. I felt that I had to tell you, you know? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, okay. certainly. Thank you. I appreciate it. America Show, we can have more people just calling up. We appreciate calls just saying thank you. That's more than enough. Okay. No Good. problem. Thank you. Good night. You're welcome. And do we have H of Nissen? No, we just we have only Okay. Mhm. We've got three minutes to go. Can I just read the last message just to explain that you just sent me? Yes. This text may not only help me, but it can help many people, so please read it. Well, we're reading it just because for you, not that much for others. So realize it's in for your issue, for you to help you the awareness. I had big bugs two months ago and got rid of it through exterminators. I worry about it every day still. Every time my child gets a mosquito bite, I worry that it's a big bug. Also, Everywhere I go, I see bed bugs, library, shul, even though it's not a bed bug, my brain thinks I am harmed for life. Oh, am I harmed for life? And welcome to Nebuch to the word called trauma. When someone has a trauma, means whatever the bed bugs mean to you, we first generally do, just to explain to you what therapists do, is it could be that this is a one-time trauma, because trauma, if there's a strong emotion to an event, our mind can get stuck. But most of the time, what we try to find is if someone had bed bugs, what is the previous history for anxiety, for fears? Because this is now called anxiety. When someone's anxious, when someone's nervous, all they can do is see those issues. Right now, as you said, your brain sees bed bugs. It's like you've got a sunglasses with the color bed, bug, bed bugs all over it, and that's what you're going to see. And there are therapy modalities that can help, various methods that can help. There is the classical CBT, there is ACT, there is more the, the alternative stuff of tuning in, a lot of mindfulness, there is EMDR, there's a lot of methods that can work. There's also medication, but it depending on the history, depending on your family genetic history. Do any of your parents have anxiety? What were issues that were leading up? Most of the time that I see from my experiences, when people are coming in with an issue like this bed bug, there's usually an intensive, or I should say extensive, past of different concerns, but they are still able to function, and then this is like the straw that broke the camel's back that now they are not able to function. So this is something that we usually focus on that we recognize in therapy, why we do a past history to identify what's happening. Well, Arvindisson, do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. You know, just, I, I, I don't know if I told you, you know, before, the, before Yom Kippur, I get a text from Israel. And this is what, what is really, I wanted to say, clarified about trauma. Get a text from Israel. Um, it's you, uh, you, you served in the Navy. Somebody, you know, as I, I, wrote, uh-huh. I, wrote, I wrote to him back, yes, I do. And I told him, I remember you as my soldier. And wow. Then he opened and he called. I couldn't, you know, I before Kippur, I, I just I, I had to ask what happened. You know, suddenly he, he wrote me, I'm looking for you for 40, 40 years and more, more than 40 years. Wow. 
So I, I, I called him, I called him, I had, uh, and it was really amazing to see a person 43 years after the war. Wow. Still carry, Will you guys serve together? Still carry the trauma of the war. And, I, you know, just it, it, it's, it's unbelievable to see what's go, what, what is in our brain. Yeah, uh, it's 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 amazing. It's really amazing. I, I had the tears in my in my. You know, when he called me, he said, "Listen, I still suffer from this, and I cannot. I this the the the, the light Laila Arur, the miserable night. You know, the the cursing night. Yes, and he could he couldn't he couldn't take it over. He, he, not even erase. Not um, erase. You cannot erase. But you know, just something that just put it aside and keep continue. Yeah. So it's yesterday, I took a special training, means I'm always updating a lot of the courses that I have. So one of them is working with trauma. So I took a course with four or five other therapists, and there's a specialist for trauma. So one of the therapists there works with war veterans and was working with the U.S. soldiers. And one of them is on high drugs, and a lot of the images that they get are they just see their fellow American soldiers, that there was a bomb that went off, and some were injured, but the fear that they're being attacked from different places, like, and he was sure that he's not going to make it out alive, that positivity of that image, for whatever reason. And they, ate it, they made it out, and Baruch Hashem, he's alive, it's not, no hidden. But just to understand that the trauma that this person was now taking drugs, and when they close their eyes, trying to do anything not to close their eyes, they see that image. Like this person sent the message that they see bed bugs wherever they go. This person just sees that image like he's about to die, and the body is responding to that trauma. Yeah. Yes, that severe emotions, if it gets locked into a mind, then they're stuck. And the statistics are very scary for war veterans. Yeah, yeah. There's average of 22 suicides a day. That is the wow. statistics. High numbers, very, very scary high numbers. You know, in the elections, when they're all yelling against the, the veteran affairs, the VA, which is the hospitals for the veterans, when they're yelling against the mental health, a large part is because of this. The statistics are scary as to the damage that people are coming back from war, and it's hard to survive. It's hard to just fit in to be a regular person when you're used to being on alert that any second or when you're in the van, the Humvee, there can be a roadside bombing or something. I had, I had a soldier that uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't look at the sky at night because every star was looking like a missile, a rocket. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I'm Baruch Hashem. I said, you know, we survived it and we went. But I, I, I was surprised to see uh, 43 years after the war, this guy looking and looking to us. Uh, he was crying. It was a... Uh, Telling me what yeah. is going on in his life, it's really uh, unbelievable. And you must have been very special to him, Rav Nissen, for him to look you up and to feel comfortable to be able to share it with you. Because a lot of the issues with the soldiers are that they're embarrassed to share what they see because they know it looks crazy to other people, and they know it doesn't make sense, and they feel people think that they're nuts. And the, sometimes the only places where they feel safe to speak to is to their fellow war veterans, their fellow comrades, and then they only pick the healthy ones that they feel that won't laugh at them, that will respect them. No, he, I, I was his officer, so I just he, he, he relied on, on me, you know. Just was... Yeah, that's okay. right. In the same way, that's right. The same way we see that there's a negative from that, the same is also the positive. In his brain, you are a safe person. 
you're you're safe, and that's yeah. a lot. You know, you have a lot of power with that, Mer Hashem. Okay, so thank you. Okay, yes, thank you, and thank all those that called in and Hatzlacha. Looking forward, Mer Hashem, to next week. And again, the number to sign up to the workshops is two zero one six nine one seven six two six for either the teachers, the parent, the each of the teachers' workshop for machanchem teachers or principals. Or the stress to inner peace, which is general for everyone, how to improve your life. The number is again 201 691 7626. Thank you very much and good night. Have a good night.